Did you miss Canty and Carlin? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Series XM, Channel 80, and, of course, on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Matt Jones. We are filling in for the guys today. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports at KY Sports Radio, or you can give us a call. Join the conversation on the CC call in line. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. We've got a lot to get to on today's show, but Matt, the NFL owners had a meeting yesterday because they were introducing the new ownership of the Denver Broncos. And of course, at this owners meeting, Roger Goodell had to address the situation with Deshaun Watson. He addressed why the NFL appealed the ruling of the suspension of Deshaun Watson from the independent arbitrator, Sue L. Robinson. Here was Roger Goodell. We've seen the evidence. She was very clear about the evidence. Uh, she reinforced the evidence. Uh, that there was uh, multiple violations here, and they were egregious, and it was predatory behavior. That's, those are things that we felt, um, we always felt were really important for us to address in a way that's responsible. You and I are both lawyers. We have probably talked about the Deshaun Watson situation at <laughs> nauseum at this point. Yes. So I'm not even going to ask you about that. I'm going to actually stick to football here for a moment. Do you think Deshaun Watson should play in the first preseason game for the Cleveland Browns? I actually don't. I mean, the point of a suspension is to make the the point that this player has done something that should pull them out of the games. And the fact that the preseason doesn't count, to me, shouldn't be part of that equation. I mean, I've always believed this happens a lot. You know, I cover college sports, and there will be a lot of times that somebody misses a couple regular season games, but then they play in these two preseason games, and they usually end up getting this loud round of applause for showing up in that first game because people know they'll miss the first regular season. I think he should sit out. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go crazy about it, but to me, if you are suspended, Amber, you're suspended, he should sit him out. Now, if you're the Browns and he's allowed to play, you're going to play him. I totally understand that. As a matter of fact, you could make the argument they should play him longer than you would if he were playing in week one because this is going to be the only reps he gets all last year and however long he misses this year. So I can see why they want to play him, but I think if I were the league, I think he should be out for these games until the full suspension is over. Right now he's eligible to play in the preseason based on Sue L. Robinson's ruling. The six-game suspension pertains to the regular season, and I would think that the Cleveland Browns are going to play him for the reason that you just said, right, where we're talking about a guy who hasn't played football in a year and a half or more. And so because of that, they feel like they need to get him all the reps that they can get him. He's been in training camp taking more first-team snaps than Jacoby Brissett. I don't know if that's the smart move from Cleveland. Yeah, I don't know if that's smart. But I would actually play him. Amber, I'd play him more – like, I'd play him a lot in part because he's going to get six weeks to heal, right? So, like, I would play him a whole lot, to be quite frank. Yeah, but Jacoby Brissett needs all the help he well, can that's probably true get too. in terms of reps because he's got to be better than we've seen Jacoby Brissett be these last couple of years because he may be starting for a very significant period of time from this team. I also wonder, and listen, I've never played football. I'm not the person to answer this question. But I also wonder, like, if you're getting reps now, how much of those reps matter if then you are suspended for 10 games once this appeal goes through or whatever it ends up being do you come back into the reps that you took all those months ago actually matter so if I'm the Browns I don't know if they're wasting reps on Deshaun Watson at this point I think that's a fair point but you know what you might do is usually in the last preseason game you know they don't play the starters at all I think you could make a case that you played Deshaun Watson that whole game 
right? Because if you're not going to play Jacoby Brissett, is it going? Is he going to be sharp after sitting all that time out? No, but I do think if you, when you're talking about a guy who has not played at all, you know, mm-hmm. there's going to be a little bit of period of time the first time he's out there where he's got to be jittery. He hadn't played in literally two calendar years, so I do think there's value in playing him a lot. I, but in my opinion, he shouldn't be out there. I mean, it's it's so weird, and I know you feel the same way, Amber. It's so weird to talk about Deshaun Watson and talk about football because it feels so minimal compared mm-hmm. to what is the actual situation. But the reality is I still don't think necessarily he's going to end up playing – I won't say it all, but I still think he's going to end up getting potentially more games. Now, whether he should is a different comment, but I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's why they got to get Jimmy G. Because I wouldn't be shocked if they're not using Deshaun Watson most of the year. I mean, we know the NFL wants an entire year suspension. Roger Goodell reiterated that at these owner meetings. And we also know that the NFL and Goodell appointed an NFL-friendly designee. So we'll see. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to rule exactly how the NFL hopes that he does on this appeal. But it feels like, at least to me, in my opinion, it feels like this suspension is going to be heightened from what we saw the original suspension under Sue L. Robinson. The Browns open up their preseason on Friday, 7 p.m. against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It got me thinking, Matt, just yes. about the Browns overall this season because there are a bunch of teams in the NFL who missed the postseason last season who could theoretically make the postseason this season. So I want to have a conversation, but let's kick it off with the Browns. For me, the analysis of the Browns in doing that seems like a no-brainer if Deshaun is actually out there for a significant portion of the season. But if it's Jacoby Brissett under center, even as good as that roster is beyond Jacoby Brissett, I don't feel confident that the Browns are, are going to make the postseason. For me, it all comes down to that quarterback position. Yeah, I uh, I think that's right. I would say that I actually think they would make it with Deshaun Watson. I think they would make it with Jimmy G. I'm not sure if they'll make it with Jacoby Brissett, if that makes sense. So I think that it's almost like you have to sit there at some point if you're the Browns over the next few weeks and decide what are the chances we think this punishment's going to get enhanced. If it doesn't get enhanced, then I think they should stick with what they have. But if it does get enhanced, you got to go with Jimmy G. You only get so many years where you can actually contend. And if there's one thing, forget all the criticism of Jimmy Garoppolo. One thing we know is he can take a team to the playoffs. He can take a team to the Super Bowl if if there's enough around him. I think the Browns have that. So it's such a hard thing because you are sitting there trying to guess something that, as you know, you can't know, which is what a judge is going to do in a case that you don't even know when they're going to rule. So it makes it very difficult. If I'm the Browns, I'm not bothering to get involved in the Jimmy G sweepstakes unless the suspension is significantly high. I agree with that. If it's just six games, because if you look at the first half of their schedule, I mean, even Jacoby Brissett can win them three or four of those games. He can. So then what's the purpose? Like, why bother to pay Jimmy or give up any assets? The problem with the Browns situation is that they've paid everybody. And in that quarterback room, they've got something like $90 million committed to that quarterback room already. Yeah. This season, it's insane because they've got everybody on their roster. They brought in Josh Jobs. They brought in Josh Rosen, right? They've got Jacoby Brissett. They paid Deshaun Watson 230 guaranteed million, even if it doesn't kick in mostly until after this season. And now people want them to also go pay Jimmy. And so that's really the problem. It would be worth it maybe if he 
ends up suspended beyond that first easy part of the schedule. But right now, that's the easy portion of the schedule. So I wouldn't get involved if I'm the Browns until we know something from this appeal, which I expect us to know by the end of this week, maybe next at the oh, longest. Oh, really? You expect pretty... it to be that soon? Okay. Yeah, well, well that's that... what the reports are. And it's an expedited process. I yeah, expect it that, it, you know, they're only looking at what was in front of Sue L. Robinson. They're not considering any new evidence or testimony. Well, so really, down... it should only be a couple week process. It all comes down to one thing. I mean, the cornerstone of Robinson's opinion is this idea that Deshaun Watson players were not on notice that the punishments could be a lot higher. That's really the core of the opinion because she essentially says what he did, it's more likely than not he did it. She says, but basically this is how these things were treated in the past. And if you're going to give more than that, you have to give notice. And really that's just the, for the other judge just decides whether they agree with that or not. Uh, under the collective bargaining agreement. I think, though, it's going to be very interesting because the players clearly believed that this new system they agreed to for punishment, where you'd get this arbitrator that was independent, they clearly believed that would lead to different results than the old system. But if Goodell ends up just putting the same punishment that he would have done anyway, it goes to show that maybe in that collective bargaining, they ended up bargaining for something that had absolutely no impact. Right. The old system, maybe not so different from the new system. I do think it's a little bit different if we're talking about bringing in an an independent, so to speak, air quotes, designee, not totally independent again, because NFL friendly, somebody in Peter C. Harvey, who's handled these NFL arbitrations in the past, has a relationship with the league and a relationship with Roger Goodell, but at least it's not Roger Goodell himself. So we will see what ends up happening there with that Deshaun Watson appeal. Now, Matt, there's something like 10 teams in the NFL that missed the playoffs last season that could be candidates to make the postseason this season from Baker Mayfield's former team in the Cleveland Browns to now his current team in the Carolina Panthers. They're one of those teams that maybe could make a postseason this season. It probably largely comes down to the health of Christian McCaffrey. Here was Ben McAdoo, the Panthers OC on Baker Mayfield so far in training camp for the Panthers. Yeah, you know, when you look at Baker, I think one of his strengths is command. Uh, you know, he can lead a room, he can command a room, and he can command an offense. Uh, he has a good presence about him, and, you know, he's got a fire in his gut. Do you think the Carolina Panthers could make the postseason this season? Do you think they're going to have an okay season? No, I don't. I don't think they uh, – you know, you look at the list of teams that we talk – that you talk about as possibilities. I really like the Saints as a possibility. I've got – I don't – but the Panthers, for me, they don't have enough weapons even around Baker. And what have we seen from Baker to suggest he can lead a team that hasn't been there uh, to the playoffs? I, I, I'm, I guess, Amber, I am buying the hype. And may, maybe it's Joe Fortenbaugh, who I work with on Saturdays, who has the Saints in the Super Bowl. Oh, but goodness. I look at everything You're around Jameis. I look at everything. Well, I'm not putting him in the Super Bowl. But I look at everything around Jameis and I say, well, why can't they at least go to the playoffs? First of all, I think the NFC is weak. So even if you want to pick a team like the Panthers – you can make a case for them because give me the teams you know are in the playoffs in the NFC. All right, Rams, then what? Packers. Bucks. Now give me the other ones you know. Bucks, Bucks are in. And, and then, then that's okay, probably that's it so on no. I mean, there's a, there's a, several other teams that you expect to be oh, you know, there, are teams there you in pick. the mix, right? But, but, but there's a lot of question marks but, in the exactly, NFC. Exactly, but. 
So if there's going to be three wild card teams, it would not surprise. It is hard to find three wild card teams that you know are better than the Saints with Jameis, and that's why why I put them there. Now there are a lot of people I respect, not just Joe. I mean Bart Scott, I think, was on here yesterday and said he thinks the Saints are a sleeper team to go to the Super Bowl. So I, I, I you know, sometimes when everybody picks a sleeper, it ends up not being a sleeper at all, and then it ends up not happening. But I sort of buy that, and maybe Amber. I'm buying a little Lions hype because I watched Hard Knocks and I'm ready to run through a wall for Dan Campbell. I don't buy into either of those teams. Now, I'm not saying the Saints You didn't like Dan Campbell last night? I didn't like Dan Campbell when he was in Miami. You guys all just know this Dan Campbell that's biting kneecaps and stealing the press conferences. He's a great talker. He makes you want to run through a wall. The problem is, does he actually make you want to run through a wall? So... My experience with Dan Campbell extends back to the Miami Dolphins, and I just have a harder time buying into what he's doing there in Detroit. But I know most people are sold on him. I think that there's major questions when it comes to this Lions team. There's also questions when it comes to Goff. He was on a heck of a team, obviously, when he did get to uh, not just the postseason, but get to a Super Bowl in the past. But back to the Saints team for a second, because I think the Saints team is interesting because, like you said, Joe Fortenbaugh, Bart Scott, there's several people on our airwaves who feel like the Saints will be in the Super Bowl. I just have a hard time. And it's not just them, by the way. A lot of people are really high on the Saints team. I just don't understand why people don't think the Saints are going to miss a beat in the post-Sean Payton era. They lost a future Hall of Fame coach. The last time we saw Dennis Allen as a head coach, it was atrocious. I know he's been in New Orleans and been a Payton's right-hand man for something like six years. Nevertheless, it's not Sean Payton at the helm anymore. And by the way... It ain't Drew Brees either. Like, that Jameis guy looked pretty good for yeah. six games last season. It was six games. Everybody calmed down. We have a much larger sample size in Tampa, and we know how inaccurate he can be. And then with Michael Thomas, I don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be the receiver that we once saw. That was in 2019, the last time that we saw he was actually healthy and had that kind of elite record-setting season. I don't think anything you say is wrong, but also remember, try to find me three teams that have less questions than they do. I mean, if you're trying to, if you're, again, I always say this at the NCAA tournament when, when there are announcers who go, that team should be in and that team should be in. And I say, well, somebody's got to be out if you're going to keep putting these teams in. In this one, you got to find me seven playoff teams. And and while you can make a case for a lot of teams, mm-hmm. I think the case for the Saints is just as good. That defense is going to be excellent. I'll I'll take Alvin Kamara any time that I have a chance to use him. And I believe that Michael Thomas will be good. Jameis Winston is not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But again, make the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I want to go back to the lines though because. America is falling in love with Dan Campbell. I mean, he gets up there and he says, you know, if you see a light at the end of the tunnel, like Metallica said, it's not a light, it's a train coming at you. And I'm sitting there. I have to tell you, when he did his first press conference, Amber, I watched it and thought this is the biggest goober that I've ever seen in football. And now a year later, I watch him on this show. I want to go play for the Lions. I was going to get – now that they have those padded helmets, I feel like I can do it without getting hurt. He has me wanting to run through it. Jamal Williams had me crying in his speech to the team outside practice. I am all in on the Lions. I'm buying a hoodie and cheering for him. I am out on Man Campbell, but again, I'm a little bit biased from his time in Miami. I do agree with you. He absolutely wins the press conference each and every time. He is the ultimate 
am I allowed to call him a bit of a meathead? I mean, he he might not be one, but he gives the appearance. I feel, he, I feel like you he, can. I mean, it does seem like it. He exudes yeah. meathead. And listen, a lot of people like that, obviously, in the world of football. I, I think it's great for what we do. I think it's excellent in terms of sound bites. I think he can have a long career in broadcasting after his football career if he so chooses. I'm just not sure it actually translates to wins on the football field. Everybody is so bought in with the hype and with the sound bites that I think that's more of the attraction to this Detroit Lions team than actually thinking that this Lions team is going to be any good this season. I mentioned my Miami Dolphins where Dan Campbell spent some time as a coach. Do you see them turning things around and making the postseason? Because that's another team that I think can go from no postseason to postseason for the first time in years. Because although the AFC is loaded, also they are in one of the weaker divisions, Bills notwithstanding. Yeah, I don't see them going because the AFC is loaded. I mean, it's the exact opposite case I just made for the NFC. It's hard to find seven teams that the Dolphins are better than. Or, excuse me, it's hard to find of those seven teams one that the Dolphins are better than. I actually would put them like ninth or tenth in the AFC. Two, I don't totally believe in Tua, although I, I believe in him more than I think the consensus is. What I don't know about is the coach. I mean, you know, guys like him, he had he, he's had success, but he you know, didn't call the plays, so I'm not sure what that exactly means. I feel like some of the, the, the sound bites I've seen in the first week make me a little skeptical. I think they'll be better. I think Tua will be better than people believe, but in that AFC, with how loaded the AFC West is, with how many good teams are in the AFC North, they're not going to win the AFC East, so they're going to have to get a wild card, and I just don't know how they get a wild card over all those various uh, powerhouses around the conference. All right, fair. Let me try to throw an AFC team here that you actually will believe in. What about the Los Angeles Chargers, even though they're in that conference? I believe in them. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't. Here's what I don't get with them. I don't get the Super Bowl hype with those guys. I mean, that's another team you're hearing people say could be a, a sleeper. Justin Herbert's great. But you know what? There's a lot of great quarterbacks in the, in the AFC, and I don't think he all of a sudden leaps Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or even Joe Burrow yet. So I like them to make the playoffs, but I don't sort of put them in the elite level of those top three or four teams. As a matter of fact, I don't even think they're the best of the teams this year that didn't make the playoffs in the AFC. I would actually put the Ravens there. Well, the Ravens just need to get healthy, or they obviously would have made the postseason last season if they had been healthy. So I do agree with you. The Ravens are probably an easy pick, assuming that they're healthier than last season, which by golly, anybody could be healthier than the Ravens were last season. And then the Ravens still did make some upgrades, drafted something like 11 players in this draft hall. So they also should be a better team, even if they were healthy last season. Although the loss of Hollywood Brown, I think, complicates the conversation a little bit. I think the Los Angeles Chargers, I mean, the reason that people are so high on them, even though they didn't even make the postseason last season is yes Justin Herbert you didn't see him take a step back in his sophomore season you believe the sky's the limit for him but then also bringing in Khalil Mack pairing him with Bosa I mean what they did in the offseason should make them much improved so I think that's why I would have both those teams in the postseason I don't know if either of those teams would be my Super Bowl pick when we're talking AFC against such a loaded conference the biggest problem I have for the Chargers and I mean this in terms of actually being a contender is that they have no home games. And I think that is a huge thing. It's not talked about it. They have no home field advantage. In most big games, they're actually almost like a road team when they play a lot of their AFC West rivals. 
the fact that no one goes to their games or cares about them, they have to almost be 10% better than anybody else because they get no home field advantage at all. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Matt Jones filling in for the guys. We will bring a Super Bowl champion into this conversation, plus one team who made the playoffs last year, and there's a lot of concern if they are going to return this year. That's after I tell you about Indeed. If you're having a hard time hiring in no time, you need Indeed, the number one source for hires in the U.S., according to Top Talent Nest. Sponsor a job, and Indeed will help you attract, interview, and hire candidates fast. With Instant Match, you'll instantly receive a short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. You can easily schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from one place. Visit Indeed.com slash credit to get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions may apply. Get started at Indeed.com slash credit. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You miss Canty and Carlin. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Matt Jones filling in for the guys. You can always give us a call. Join the conversation. We have been talking about which non-playoff teams in the NFL from last season can make the postseason in 2022. Give us a call. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. So let's bring in some help with the conversation. Rob Ninkovich is ESPN's NFL analyst. And Nink, let's start there. Who's a non-playoff team from last year who you're convinced is going to make the postseason as we head into this 2022-23 campaign? I think, I mean, you look at the Denver Broncos and what they were able to do, you know, going out and getting Russell Wilson. I mean, that's going to put them over the hump. I think that's really going to propel them in the right direction. They didn't have a quarterback. Now they have a quarterback. They're thinking with that move that they're going to make a playoff run. 
The Denver Broncos, a lot of people thought that they were just a quarterback away. So now they have their quarterback. I have a hard time buying into the fact that they were just a quarterback away if we're talking Super Bowl. But if we're just talking postseason, then I can certainly see what you're doing there. I wanted to ask you about your former team in the New England Patriots, because I'm sure you know, Nink, there's all these reports coming out that they look terrible in training camp. The offense, it's disorganized, it's disjointed. There's all sorts of false starts and everything else. I want to start with the coordinator situation, right? We don't know who the coordinators are for this team. It seems like Matt Patricia is going to be calling the plays on offense. Matt Patricia's entire background is on the defensive side of the ball, right? Like he was the defensive coordinator there. We know what happened with his time with the Lions. How easy is it to go from defense and kind of having your mind in that zone to now offense and playing calls? Well, I, I really, Matty started on the offensive side of things, so it's not like he's never had experience with offense. Um, switching over, I mean, look, when you've been involved in football basically your whole life, I don't think it's going to be that difficult for him um, to make the switch. There's going to be a little growing, growing pains here. It's not going to be an, an instant thing where, hey, we, we're putting in a new system, we have new coaches, oh, we all got it. So there's going to be some growing pains, and – I'd much rather see a team like that started out a little sluggish and then they built chemistry and they built through the season than like we've seen with Arizona where you start September out on fire and then November, December, you fizzle out. So I think that this is going to be a process and they haven't even played, they haven't even played a preseason game yet. So I'm not hitting the panic button. So you're not panicking. You're right, Matt Patricia. When he was an assistant, he was on the offensive side of the ball. It was a long time ago, but they also have Joe Judge on that staff as well. So you have no concerns. At what point do you get concerned, Nink, when you're hearing these reports out of Patriots training camp? At any point? Or does it really not matter here what happens in training camp? I mean, I'd get, I'd be concerned if you see problems in week four, week five, but they haven't even had their first preseason game yet. They still have three weeks of camp to go to prepare for week one. So, you know, that's a lot of time. You know, they have almost a month until their first game. Um, so that's that's a lot of time to build chemistry, get comfortable within the offense. Um, and, and Mac Jones kind of took ownership of that in his own in his own sense and saying, look, I've, I've been in places before where I didn't get it, I got it, and now it's just another opportunity for me to get it. So I, I do believe that, um, that he'll get it. It's just going to take a little time. Rob Minkovich, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. The Patriots' first preseason game is tomorrow night against the New York Giants at 7 p.m. Eastern. All right, I want to move on to some other headlines across the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr. has been on the top of the head of conversation because he's the biggest unsigned guy, I would say, that's still out there right now. And we know what happened to him getting hurt in the Super Bowl this past season. Do you think it would be a better fit for OBJ to go to the Bills, go back to the Rams, or is there some other destination you could see Odell Beckham Jr. going? Um, You know, if I was in Odell's corner I would say listen you just tore your ACL February in February you just did the same one a couple years ago if you tear it again your career's over basically I don't I haven't heard of any receiver tearing the same ACL three times and actually making a career career after that Um, so he needs to be very careful on his timeline Um, it takes three it takes six months for your your ACL to actually vascularize and become part of your own body um, right now, it's just basically held in with two screws, so it can easily rupture. 
Um, I know that because I've had mine done and I was very interested in it and I learned all about the ACL repair process. So he shouldn't play for at least eight months and that puts him around December. So maybe he goes to a playoff team and when they need a playoff push or a team signs, signs him for the regular season, knowing that they're going to use him in the playoffs um, and then takes over his rehab. But I wouldn't advise him to play football right now. Interesting. Rob Ninkovich, apparently a, a doctor, but practically is what we just learned. They, uh, that, that, was, they, that was an excellent explanation. Doctor, they call me Dr. Ninko in the Patriots uh, <laughs> organization. So I'd go in and do all the uh, evaluations and I'd take some notes. So, yeah, I just didn't want to go to school for that long. Well, I understand. Well, listen, you didn't need to. It worked out okay for you, but I can understand why they called you that. That was an excellent explanation. I hadn't heard that before. It worked out pretty well for OBJ walking into a contender last season. So there's probably no rush there when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr. Finally here, Rob, on the way out, who do you consider the most box office player in the National Football League? Box office, you mean like Hollywood that could like, I mean, you, you make you make with it what you want your own explanation to be. I was on first take yesterday. We were debating this topic. I actually said Tyreek Hill. The other guys on the set said Lamar Jackson yesterday. So it depends on your definition. I went with who I think is the most explosive, fastest player in the NFL. Well, if you're going to go with most explosive, I mean, Tyreek Hill, obviously, I agree with you. He'd, he'd be a complete – I mean, he'd blow it out of the water as long as – is the fastest, most explosive, dynamic, speedy guy, superhero-ish, Spider-Man type guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're going – I'd say I like Josh Allen. You know, he's got the looks. He's a good-looking kid, and he's like 6'5", 240, and I think this year he's going to put up tremendous numbers. That's a fair like answer. Captain America. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and he's uh, incredible to watch, obviously, a very versatile yeah. player and, and probably the sky's the limit for Josh Allen. Rob Ninkovich, ESPN NFL analyst. Thanks, Nink. All right, thanks. Take care. Canty and Carlin's presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Speaking of box office, home box office, that's what HBO stands for, if you guys didn't know. Uh, they debuted Hard Knocks last night, and Matt and I are on completely opposite sides when it comes to to Dan Campbell's impact. We'll tell you why. That's next. This is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin. So, Matt, I don't know if you got a chance to see this. Amber Wilson, Matt Jones filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. But Rodolfo Castro's phone 
fell out of his pocket yesterday during the middle of his game. He is sliding into the base and he slides on his stomach, of course, because, I mean, he couldn't have done anything on his butt. Anyways, let's be real. Apparently, huge iPhone back there in his back pocket. And it just quite literally comes flying out. The ump comes over, finally, like, points to the ground, like, hey, boss, you might want to pick up your phone. Is it really a sport if you can play the sport with your phone? I'm questioning everything about baseball right now. Well, yes, because in theory, as somebody who is addicted to his phone, you can take your phone anywhere. It's not necessarily a good idea, but there there would be no reason you couldn't have it as part of every sport. What I liked about it, though, is I like a guy who he has his phone in his pocket. That means that he literally needs it for the one second he walks into the dugout because he's not going to pull it out when he's in the outfield. He just doesn't want to wait to go get his phone out of his little cubby hole. He wants it immediately as soon as he walks in. That is a man who may be more addicted to his phone than I am to mine, and I respect that. Honestly, you respect it. I feel like Castro needs to reevaluate his entire life. I understand. Like, we need baseball to be younger and appeal to young people. And maybe iPhones flying out on the diamond is the way to do that. Because I'm sure this is incredibly relatable, particularly to everybody under the age of 30. But it just seems absurd to me. Because like you said, like, what are we doing? He's, like, scrolling Instagram while he's out there. He's not doing – or I would assume he's not doing that. He just needs to feel the buzz in his pocket if he gets a text message like why can't you leave it in the dugout that shows you how much we're out you you and I are out of touch I taught a class at a college this past year at Georgetown College and the first day I said to the students I was like now you're not going to like this but I want you all to pay attention so we will no one can have their phone on during class and they honestly looked at me like I was telling them they were going to have to rock, uh, write with a chisel and a rock. They could not believe that I would say that. And they said, we are, of course, allowed on our phone in every class. I ended up giving in because they were so sad about the fact that they couldn't have their phone for one hour mm-hmm. of, during, the, during the day. I don't think, I think for young people, they're used to it. They take it everywhere. Why not take it when you're sliding into third? Well, this is why not, because it comes flying out of your pocket. Maybe we but should also have a conversation. we're talking about him, Amber. We're talking, we talking about him. About I also think all the chains uh, it seem like a little much. Like, who actually runs in chains? Like, what are we doing? But that is baseball. For, like, we already know you're rich, bro. You're you out sound, there playing you sound baseball. 90. You sound like my grandfather. <laughs> Just saying, I don't need the chains to know you're rich. I also don't need the iPhone that's flying out of your pocket. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Matt Jones filling in for the guys. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports. That's me at KY Sports Radio. That is Matt. Now, Matt, I am not into hard knocks. I oh. haven't. I, it's not that I'm not into it. I actually really enjoy hard knocks, but like I'm not into it this season because I haven't yet fired it up. It is the Detroit Lions this season. I already told you that I'm not as sold on Man Campbell as everybody else is, even though I understand he's wildly entertaining. So I would imagine he's actually probably very good here for this season of hard knocks. You're all in invested. What have you learned from hard knocks so far? So I've watched every season of Hard Knocks, and I've loved – I mean, even the bad ones are good. But to be fair, it's been three or four seasons where I thought just the entertainment value had gone down. I mean, the the best seasons were the Ravens many, many years ago and the Jets with Rex Ryan. I think this Lions season is right there with them, and depending on how it goes, may surpass it. First of all, Dan Campbell, I'm with you. I thought he was a complete meathead when I saw him for a long time, and I would make fun of him during the games. I'm a Bears fan, so that made it easy. 
I fell for him in his first speech. I mean, he gets up there, and I, I'm telling you, he had me wanting to go hit somebody. And then Jamal Williams, the running back, he gets up there and gives an end-of-practice speech. He ends up crying. I look around, Amber, I'm about to cry. I don't even know Jamal Williams from, you know, Jamal McGlure. And I'm sitting there going, what is, what is happening right here? And then – the best part, the offensive coordinator, Deuce Staley, the defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, during the, the, the inter-squad scrimmage, they're talking, they stand next to each other and just talk trash. I mean, they are, it is hilarious. Deuce Staley needs to be a comedian. He's so good. This was awesome. There's so many former players on that staff, from Mark Brunel uh, to Antoine Randall L., et cetera. I love this group, and I'm finding myself rooting for the Lions. I want Dan Campbell to work. He quotes Metallica. He makes me laugh. He does the up and downs with his team, which seems like the hardest thing in the world to do. I am all in on this season of Hard Knocks. And if you, don't, if you watch it and don't like it, Amber, I'll be shocked. I'm sure I would because I am seeing that the Twitterverse loves Hard Knocks. And so it does mean that this season of Hard Knocks is wildly entertaining. And you're right, the criticism – in the past has been that that entertainment value kind of took a hit. Hard Knocks kind of started maybe getting a little bit stale because the novelty of it wore off, the novelty of the access. And we know that it's highly edited and highly NFL friendly. But Dan Campbell is perfect yes, for something like Hard Knocks. I am in on him as an entertainer. I'm just not in on him necessarily as a head coach. And I'm not even out here saying that it's not going to work. I just don't know why everybody's so sold on the entertainment value as it translating to wins yeah, on I the don't football care. I mean, field. I don't care if they win. I just want to be entertained. And I just, the, the thing is what had happened over the last few years is I got the sense that when cameras ended up going into these teams, guys were on reserve all the time. They were kind of worried about what was going to happen as opposed to those first couple years. It strikes me that Dan Campbell and those guys, they just don't even care. I mean, they're making jokes I can't even say on the radio that like we made in the 90s when I was in high school, and these are grown men making them, and you know what? I'm still laughing at them, to be honest with you. It actually works, every part of it. The other thing, Amber, is the music. That is the best music of any show I know that da-na-na, like every time they do it and then they'll show somebody lifting weights and then they'll come back and go da-na-na, and then somebody's like hitting the pad and all that. I am the one of the weakest people on the entire planet. If somebody were to try to tackle me, I would say ow and run away. But yet, when I watch that show, I wish I had been a tight end. I see Hawkinson and think, why couldn't that be Jones running down and catching a pass and smacking somebody? They have me talking like I've never talked in my life. That's how much I'm into Dan Campbell and this season of Hard Knocks. I understand that the number two overall pick from this last draft, Deion Aiden Hutchinson, who seems like a perfect fit there in Detroit. I understand he stole the show on Hard Knocks oh, yeah, he as sang. well. Amber, did you see he sang Billy Jean? And at the end, first of all, his performance wasn't as good as everybody said, but he sang, and then at the end, the entire team is singing with him. So you have like 95 guys singing Billy Jean is not my lover. Amber, how can you not love that? You can't not love that. I, I will give him credit for that. Now, did it compete with the, wasn't it the Duke football player who just sang opera? Wasn't that one of those videos that went viral? I did see that. Have you seen a, that? He had a beautiful voice. He had didn't a voice he, of dude. an angel. He really did. You had all these grown men. I thought they were going to cry. But there was a great there was for those for you football heads. And I know there's a lot of football heads listening. There's a great moment where they showed Aiden Hutchinson live having his welcome to the league moment. He's about to pass rush, and T.J. Hawkinson 
chip chips him as he's running out and sort of blindsides him. And Dan Campbell later said, that is his welcome to the NFL moment. And we got to watch it. And I actually, that's the stuff with hard knocks that I really enjoy. Things you just don't get to see as an average fan. I also saw a very short clip of Aiden Hutchinson, and I don't know why they were doing this. He had to get up in front of everybody and say what his signing bonus was. They all obviously... do that every year, yes. Okay, so they all get up every year and say their signing yeah, bonus, so, so it's every, obviously like astronomical – yeah, because he was the number the two pick. You say it. You say your signing bonus, and then you sing a song, and then when it's like Aiden Hutchinson, it's twenty-two million. They all know you're paying for uh, dinner. The for entire everything. Rest That's of the what camp. it seemed like. It seemed like a setup. Like given, I'm sure they all know what his signing bonus was, anyways. But it felt like a setup. Like you have to get up there if you're Aiden. You have to say in front of the whole team how rich you are. So now everybody's going to be asking you for stuff. Yeah, and Aiden Hutchinson's family, by the way. They look like the people that when you go to the store and you buy a picture frame and there's a family in the frame that's really beautiful, that's what Aiden Hutchinson's family looks like. His mother's beautiful. His sisters are beautiful. The dad looks like an older version of him. Like, it's like, you people, it's, it's too perfect. How does that guy have that family? Canty and Carlin's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So coming up next, one Super Bowl contender that might need to explore a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. We'll get into that. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio.